0: Hi everyone, I'm Pamilia Chia and you're listening to the Singapore Noodles Podcast, your go-to destination for real Singaporean food. My guest this week is Hiro Sukhaimi, a culinary graduate and blogger behind the site Eat Food, Live Food. On today's episode, he takes me on a deep dive of a common Javanese dish, Ura, a vegetable dish that comprises cooked vegetables that are tossed in coconut. Thank you so much for chatting with me. It's um,
1: surreal that I'm actually talking to you after chatting with you so much on WhatsApp.
2: Uh, yes, yes, yes.
1: I'm really excited to talk to you about Urat because that's a dish that um, I've read about, but I've never mm-hmm. actually, And I didn't know about it until about three years ago, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so I'm very excited to know more about this dish. But before we talk about it, maybe we'll start by talking about you. You know, I was on okay. your website. And you wrote mm-hmm. about how even though you're a culinary school graduate, you prefer mm-hmm. to eat unpretentious food or like home cooked food. So can you tell yes. me why you're so inclined?
2: Okay. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. And um, I think when I initially started uh, the interest of wanting to uh, get enrolled in culinary school, I think most, if not all culinary school students have this like... um idea of uh, what they want to achieve or be uh, upon graduation and stuff like that. So, uh, similarly with me, I, I wanted to at least like uh, have my own restaurant or cafe or eatery, stuff like that. But uh, when I think back, I mean like uh, we keep, because the culinary school uh, curriculum, it focuses a lot on like um, Western um, History, uh, culinary history, culinary techniques, but then not much or very little uh, emphasis or focus is given to the local Asian or local um, side of things. Cause it's usually like, uh, oh, the Western part, the French and the Italian, oh, it, it, it encompasses a big part of the curriculum. But then when it comes to Asian, it's just like a generic oh, here's and like uh, an Asian um, curriculum. Uh, it's like very generic, like. Uh, sweet and sour chicken. You know, the, the, the very, yeah, very basic, very generic sort of things. Then for like local, is like um chicken rice, satay, those kind of things. So I like, it made me think again. I mean, like, why are we not uh, emphasizing or focusing much more on Asian and local uh, traditions and culinary history as well? So, I mean, naturally, I've been always inclined to um local flavors because i mean that's what we all grew up with right and it's like i mean we there's so much that we have that's not um brought forward or brought into light so it's like yeah
1: yeah i totally agree with you so when when you were taught the the asian curriculum in the cooking school um mm-hmm. did you did they cover local techniques you know like techniques that i use for you know say malay cooking making a rempa, things like that
2: i think it was i'm trying to recall it's like very brief it's like very like okay here's a recipe um uh, the the instructor will like show you like uh, the steps uh, step one step two step three then you just follow it's like the typical how to say um learning uh, style it's like uh, the instructor shows you then after that you're like follow and try to emulate and after that, at the end of the thing, he, he or she will uh, come come over, like taste your dish, give you some feedback. It's very um how do I say like superficial? It wasn't really in depth. Yeah, mm-hmm. as in like, okay, why why do you do this? Why do you like um toast or cook the rumpa or spice paste up till uh, uh, it, it, it goes fragrant and stuff like that? It's just okay, here's a here's a recipe, uh, go have at it then at the end of the day, okay, it's good, it's nice, okay, presentable, okay, that's it.
1: Oh, wow. And that is also the case for the Western curriculum? Or is the Western one more in-depth?
2: The Western one is more in-depth uh, both in practical and theory. Because theory, we learn about history. Uh, there was like, uh, if I remember his name, Escoffier, and you know, those big mm-hmm. um, Western uh, culinary names. Mm.
3: Uh,
2: and all the techniques. Okay, why why uh, about Miropoir and Roux and stuff like that? Mm. So it's like, you can, um, the focus is very much more on the Western curriculum. I mean, yeah, yeah the Asian, like, like I said, it's just like, okay, uh, here, here's an Asian thing. Um, that, that's just part of the whole curriculum. It was, it was very much more uh, Western emphasized and Western based.
1: Mm. Okay. So um, how did you start to, you know, learn more about your own cuisine from your heritage? Was it something that you picked up watching your mom cook or your grandmother cook?
2: Mm, yes definitely because uh like I said growing up we we sort of like take things for granted in a way yeah then it's like uh I mean, like, it's an everyday thing like okay we eat uh, this and that I mean like we, we we don't think twice about it then up to a point where like hey I mean like one day I mean uh, this this whole like um uh what do you call idea uh, the whole like uh, recipes and whatnot this whole story it would just go if like we don't um, at least at the very least record or even uh, put it into words lah mm. so i feel that that there will be a very big waste yeah so if we don't um record and like at least get interested get to know on our like uh, immediate like immediate families like you said um uh, my mom my grandmother i have like a little like um book exercise book where I, like jot down like recipes it's not a, like exactly recipes how many tablespoons Whatnot. It's just like basic ingredients like the methods and like okay um what what, what do I do first then um the ingredients needed and why like briefly like little touches okay why I why edit this ingredient why 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 um why don't we do this why we do that that sort of thing
1: mm. yeah and I feel that it's so sad that there are no well, there are not many Malay resources for home cooks in English. I feel like mm-hmm. most of it, you know, if there is any, it's probably in, you know, the native language. So I think for me as a Chinese person, it's very hard for me to want to learn more about Malay cooking, even though I really, mm. really love it. But there are so few resources. Do you feel the same?
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, eh, when you say about uh, it, it not being... um widely available in English, yes, I agree. But in Malay, in Indonesian, um, it's like that. That's quite a lot. I mean, even in the certain Malay and Indonesian uh, communities, there's been like uh, disagreements over like, oh, what makes a good rendang or what makes a good this, what makes a good that. So, uh, on the native uh, language side, I mean, yes, there are. But uh, in the more wider, widespread uh english language uh there there can be more mm. there can be more but uh then again i don't know it it's yeah like, perhaps it's a language barrier kind of thing
1: mm. okay and you are mm. javanese right you come from uh, yes, I'm, javanese heritage so mm-hmm. what is javanese food like
2: um the thing is with javanese food it's like it's because uh, J- java in itself is an island because uh, indonesia there, there are five Uh, main islands java being one of them then within java itself there's like east central west java and everything else in between so to um categorize javanese food it's quite hard because um, each region or province they have their own specialties and they have their own like um nuances of uh what they what they do Mm -hmm. so i mean it's it's more or less, familiar. we are uh, uh, flavors we are familiar with, mm. like um, stuff we can get uh, in and around the whole um, Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia kind of thing. So, it's yeah. it's not really far off from what uh, many of us may be familiar to familiar with in terms of like uh, Malay food, mm. okay? Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to like properly categorize. Cause even like I said, within the Javanese communities, there there there's like disagreements and arguments. Oh my, this is better. Um, no, my dad is better. So yeah.
1: Mm. And is urap a big part of Javanese food culture?
2: Mm, yes, because um, one of the things about urap, it's traditionally, from what I understand and what I've uh, read, it's a dish which. Uh, is, it, it it comes from the word urip, which means U R I P, which means alive or living. Mm. Then it's uh, it's traditionally served with uh in the tumpeng, mm. or ambeng, uh, nasi ambeng sort of um, situation. Mm-hmm. the 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 urap itself it's said to signify um thanks or gratitude for the life that one has. Hence the uh, it because it means it comes from the word alive or living.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm. Oh. And then uh, s- some also say it symbolizes harmony and togetherness because of the um, way all the ingredients like come together.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm. So I, it, that's why I thought like um, there was no like, not really a huge uh, symbolic kind of thing when it came to Urab. Yeah. And then um, it's usually served, traditionally it's served during like ceremonies such as like um, a kanduri, which is like a feast. Which uh, there's like some uh, recital of prayers and whatnot. Uh, like I said, with the umbung and the tumpeng sort of uh, situation, mm-hmm. mm. and also uh, for Javanese Singaporeans, I'm I think for whoever that's listening who are Javanese Singaporeans, they would be familiar with this uh, dish called nasi Bancaan. Nasi Bancaan. B B-A-N mm-hmm. A N C A K A N.
3: C A K A N. Okay.
2: Ban. Yeah, bancaan. It's um, like a smaller scale um bung, if you will. Cause mm. it's like um, usually served for uh birthdays, in in before way before there are cakes and birthday cakes and whatnot. It's it's essentially steamed rice, mm. urap, then um the ikan bilis and peanuts fried ikan bilis and peanuts and uh like small wedge of an egg omelette. Then that's what um the immediate families will have that uh, either in a like communal sort of uh, setting serving or individual like uh, plates
3: oh
1: so interesting Mm. i think i've seen that photo on your instagram once i think you cooked it a while ago Um, yeah yeah i
2: think i did yeah
1: (laughs) yeah so is it something that is more common at um like at home versus something that you would see at a restaurant
2: of mm, course. Yes, traditionally it was served like more as a home kind of thing uh, within families and communities. Mm. Um, but now with like everything being um commoditized, uh it's like being served in uh, even hawker centers, restaurants, cafes, especially with nasi ambeng. Now now that nasi ambeng has sort of uh, risen in popularity, and traditionally it was uh, just a uh, home kind of thing, but now with uh, everybody into the Ambung craze, and then um, the
1: Violet Wound saga.
2: Ah, uh, yes, uh, then it, it, people forget the uh, r- true reason behind the whole Ambung thing because Ambung is usually served uh, together with that uh, whole Kanduri uh, c- uh, ceremony mm. because Kanduri is uh, usually. Uh, a ceremony which like you give thanks for let's say a birthday for a, anything from a birthday to a job promotion mm-hmm. even to like a commemorative like you want to remember like your ancestors or those who have passed so mm-hmm. ambung was is synonymous with a kenduri mm-hmm. way before ambung became like commercialized and like everybody just serves ambung as it is oh, as, a, okay. as just as just as a food item like i mean a lot of people like tend to forget Oh. Uh, ambeng stems from the kenduri. So, kenduri is very synonymous with nasi
3: Wow,
1: it's so interesting. And this mm-hmm. kenduri, it's kind of like a gathering or is it, you know, are there rituals?
2: It's a gathering and the ritual part is mainly the recital of prayers, mm-hmm. depending on what the occasion is for. Like I said, like birthdays or uh, uh or just I mean you're like happy for something like oh uh even like uh your 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 family member or your son or your daughter or oh, did good for exams, oh you can have a kanduri. you can just like celebrate and commemorate that event. Mm. It's like a celebration, you know. Then mm. as as well as uh perhaps for, uh to commemorate those who have passed. Yeah. And also for my for my family, um, when it's like close to about a week or so to the start of Ramadan. We yep. would have these gatherings and kanduri. Then like, oh, to again, remember uh, those who have passed and mm-hmm. whatnot. And definitely there'll be ambang.
1: Okay. And mm-hmm. you know, with nasi ambang, is it um very common to see urap in it? As in, is it an, an indispensable part of a nasi ambang?
2: The thing with nasi ambang, uh, there is no clear definition of what goes into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I've seen like nasi ambang with lobster, oh. uh, lobster masak lemak, and um, I mean. Traditionally, it was meant to be quite um, uh, how do you say, subdued and very like it made with humble like uh, easy to get ingredients, nothing too lavish, nothing too extravagant. Mm. So I mean, urap definitely part of the, uh, is part of the 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 ambeng, uh, dish ambang as a whole, and yeah, I mean, like I said, there's like disagreements even within the Singaporean, uh, Japanese Singaporean context is in uh what is supposed to be in an ambeng. Mm. So it, it's hard to pinpoint, but ambeng, uh, I mean, uh, urap definitely has its place in nasi ambeng.
1: Mm. And was urap something that you ate growing up at home? Like all the time?
2: I wouldn't say all the time, but uh, more of like, um, I ate it enough to remember it, uh, as in to, to remember it and sort of like understood that this was part of me, part of my heritage part of my life. Mm. Mm.
1: And um, when did you start cooking this dish?
2: Wow. Cooking it, um, actually not too long ago, like a few, like I'd say five, six years back or so. I can't remember. I I remember it's in my adult, during my adult life. Mm. Because um, I had to prepare uh, certain stuff. I can't remember was it for. I think, could have been as simple as a lunch sort of dish. Then it's like, oh, I went to the kitchen. Then I saw my mom trying to make, uh, she was preparing the stuff. Then I said, okay, come. Uh, I like to like disturb her in the kitchen and whatnot. So it's like uh, going to the kitchen. Then it's like, okay, uh, can I help you with this? And, okay, yeah. Okay, heat up the oil. Then put in the rumpa and everything. Then I start the thing slowly. Then even with that, I still like went back to her and said, okay, is this okay? I mean, like, do I need a bit more of this or a bit more of that? So, like, slowly I learn and I still continue to learn.
1: Yeah. So, how would you describe an urak to, you know, someone who has never come across this dish before? Would you say that it's kind of like a salad?
2: Mm, yes, you can categorize it as a salad. because I mean, essentially, it's made from vegetables. Um, yeah, it's a mixed salad sort of thing. It's usually served uh, room temperature. Mm. Um. Yeah, it, it's it's classified as a salad uh, a mix uh, of uh, vegetables and the vegetables can range from anything from like uh, simple as kang kong um, long beans and uh, bean sprouts mm. to like more uh, tapioca shoot leaves papaya leaves uh, wing beans mm. so it is again, there's no like right or wrong um, ingredients to a, certain, to a certain extent there's no right or wrong uh, vegetables which you can uh, put in there I mean like but the, 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 the ones which I think cannot be replaced are probably bean sprouts, mm-hmm. long beans, and either kangkong or tapioca shoot leaves.
3: Okay.
1: Mm. Actually, you know, I feel that Malay cooking and Indonesian cooking uses quite a, a lot of the tapioca shoots, right? Mm-hmm. What do you guys call it in, in your language?
2: Uh, in Malay, it's called Daun Ubi
1: mm-hmm.
2: Then in Indonesian, it's called Daun Singkong
1: And this is a vegetable that you can only find in the wet markets, right? It's not something that you can come across in the supermarkets?
2: Uh, no, only wet markets uh, Certain wet markets, I think uh, Gelang Serai definitely And mm-hmm. I think Tekka also And uh, I think at Bukit Goomba, Opposite the MRT station, there's like I mean, people call it the mini Gelang Serai because oh. there's a quite uh, quite a big a large number of uh, Malay vendors and also like um, Malay uh, I, Malay people go there to uh, go for their ingredients. Probably if like they think gelang serai is too far, then they'll head on to uh, Gombak. Yeah, the mini mini Gelangserai.
1: Mm. I never knew that. You know. I,
2: mean, <laughs> I, I also yeah. I also got to know about it like quite recently after my I think it was my dad. He because he likes yeah. to like. Uh, go go around and it's like, oh there here's a like mini gilangs right people have have touted it as a mini gilangs right. So like okay there we go.
1: Wow. Yeah. I'm learning so much like you know just to this point of our conversation I'm actually taking a uh-huh. lot of words from you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but can you walk me through the process of making a proper urap? So what goes first?
2: Okay. Uh first you have to have the spice base uh, which we which is also known as a rumpa. Um Okay, I have my little book of uh, recipes here. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, essentially uh, dried chilies, or uh, then uh, uh, soak dried chilies, rehydrated dried chilies, mm. uh, chili padi for an extra kick if you want, yeah. uh, garlic,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and sometimes you can add uh, shallots, red uh, the small the red shallots, mm. uh, and not forgetting kencur. Uh,
3: mm. Oh, that's
2: like. Yeah, kentcho is the essential part of the rumpa. Cause without kentcho, it's like not, it's not it's not urap.
1: Mm. And can you tell our listeners what kentcho is? Because I feel like a lot of people don't know. I only knew about it when I started going back to the wet markets to shop. Mm. Because it's something that you don't you don't really come across on a daily basis.
2: So kentcho, from what I understand, it's a uh, a root vegetable. It's I have a feeling it's uh, related. To turmeric yep and it's uh, fragrant and how do you you, you have a, like a love hate relationship it's, it's like coriander you either like really like it or you like yeah. cannot cannot I have it at that, all
1: I find that its flavour is very like musky very mm-hmm. it's almost like smelling a medicinal herb
2: ah, yes yes correct like very um, herb Herbier medicinal, yes, yes, correct. Mm. I mean, it's not like ginger. It's not like not even like galangal. I mean, yeah. it it's irreplaceable.
1: Mm. For the Chinese, we mm. use it um, in the cooking of salt baked chicken. That is actually mm. one of the traditional ingredients. But a lot oh, of people okay. use it um, in powder form rather than the root form. So mm. for the Malays, do you normally use only the fresh one, or do you sometimes use the powder as well?
2: Um, I have only grown to know the um, fresh version. Mm. I have never heard or come across the powdered one before. But I believe um, in certain Indonesian markets, supermarkets or like their own wet markets, they sell it in the powdered form. But yeah, I, I've only known mm. to uh, to know of the the fresh ones.
3: Yeah.
1: And what other dishes do we use Kenchua in?
2: Um, there's this one more. Um, in Malay cuisine, it's called a uh, pecel.
1: How do you spell it's it?
2: P e c e l. Mm. It's essentially like a, a masal lemak, but with the addition of uh, this uh, contour It's uh, usually either made with uh, chicken or fish. Then the chicken, okay, the chicken will be um, sort of baked or uh, roasted first. Then after that, you make the the rempah, the base with the mm-hmm. coconut milk and everything. Then you add in the chicken, then you cook it all together. It's not um, a yellow, really yellow uh, masak lemak. Because I don't think uh, turmeric is right. added. If, okay. Yeah, even if it's added, it's like very little. It's more to like um an off-white color. Mm.
1: Wow, so mm. fascinating. I've never ever heard of this dish. Mm. Um, so the ramba for the urap is actually quite straightforward, right? I mean, there's no mm. like lemongrass, there's no turmeric, there is no galangal, no things like that. So it's mm. quite
3: straightforward.
2: Yeah, and and the thing is, sorry, um, in the traditional Indonesian uraps in Indonesia, they don't use dried shrimp. However, uh, for me, my family, I am I'm not sure about other uh, Japanese Singaporeans or Singapore Singaporean families. Uh, we use dried shrimp sometimes, but uh, it, it's. It gives that extra umami, that, uh, that flavor kick, you know?
3: Mm.
2: Yeah. Because, but tra- traditionally in Indonesia, in Java, they don't use that.
3: Okay. Oh, mm. maybe
1: it's from the Chinese influence, you think?
2: Probably. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not too sure. Or maybe because, um, in Singapore, we are like more closer to the, um, sea mm. or taking influence from, uh, native Singaporeans who were like, um, the fisherman, orang laut, stuff like that. Maybe, perhaps, there's an influence.
1: Yeah. Okay, so mm. after you grind your rempah, you fry mm. it?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, usually, use the mortar and pestle or food processor. Okay. Uh, to blend it, it will be too fine as in using a blender.
1: Oh, mm. so it has to be coarse?
2: Yes, yes. yes. Uh, coarse, rough, yeah.
1: And that is because you want the texture, is it?
2: Mm, yes, because if it's too... I mean, if you blend it, it's because uh, if you blend things, you have to add water, right? Then it'll be too like how do you say too uh, too fine. So there's no yeah, there's no uh, texture. There's no element of texture.
1: Okay, so mm. you would fry it, and then what would happen?
2: Okay, you fry it uh, with a little bit of oil, um, about mm-hmm. like medium heat. Uh, mm-hmm. Get the get everything sort of like get get the raw taste. Uh, uh get rid of the raw taste. But you, but you, it's not like you want to make a sambal, you don't have to wait it for it to like, um, what they call pecaminya and stuff like that. No, you just want it to uh release its fragrance because if you if it goes too long, also it will burn.
3: Mm.
1: And do you have so to once use a lot of oil for this? You know, like when you make a curry, right? You use quite a lot mm. of oil to fry the the rampa. So, in this mm. case, is it more i mean, is it less oil?
2: It's lesser than, uh, I would say a sambal or a, a curry sort of rampa. Because uh, after that you'll add in the uh, what's that grated coconut. Yep. In itself has its own like oils. Mm, okay. Mm, so so you don't want it to be too oily as well. If not, it just it just won't taste correct. Okay. Yeah.
1: So you fry the rampai in oil, and when it's ready, mm. um, do you cook the vegetables separately?
2: Uh, yes. Uh, for the vegetables, you just uh, blanch like about up. To like half or three quarter cook, you don't want it to get uh, too too overcook, cause it'll be just all like mushy and very wet. Mm. You still want to have like a uh, bit of crunch from like the kangkong, the bean sprouts, the long beans. You still want that uh, crunchy texture, cause if it's like too, uh, you you overcook it, then it will be like too like uh, it, it just won't taste right. Yeah. Mm.
3: Okay.
1: And then you just toss it with the rumpa.
2: Mm, yes, correct. Uh the once the rumpa is done, you set it aside to cool for a little bit. Uh same with the the vegetables. Uh once you uh, once you've done blanching it, set it aside for a while. Do something else, maybe like I don't know, prepare the rice. Yeah. Or, in, or just open up the rice cooker, check it for the rice. Then after that, once it's like cool, not not to the point where it's like really cold, just like cooler than usual. Then you bring it all together off the heat. Hmm. And mm, the,
3: coconut it's, it's not, is, the
1: coconut. It's not. The coconut is fresh f- grated.
2: Uh, yes, uh, ideally fresh grated, but uh, I mean, if you get it from like a uh, supermarket or so, I mean, it's fine with me.
1: Okay, that's so interesting. And for the mm. coconut, you don't do anything to it, right? You don't steam it, you don't fry it or toast it. It's just, you know, straight from You just
2: uh, cook it with the heat uh, of the uh, the rumpa. I mean, you, you also still want to get rid of the, what's that, um raw taste as well. So with a bit of the heat from the, the pan or the wok that you cook the rumpa in. And then as usual, the, the usual seasoning is salt and sugar. Sugar, we usually use uh, the palm sugar or gula jawa or gula melaka.
1: So what what other dishes do you feel can complement the ura?
2: For ura uh, traditionally, like I said with the earlier dish, the nasi bancaan, with all the other the, 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 the peanuts and the anchovies, the egg, that's uh, the most the one which i grew up with and remember very fondly because that's like uh synonymous f- for for me like i mean it's synonymous urap will mean that nasi bancaan and as well as well ambeng as, uh, but also uh you can definitely have it with like uh, as simple as fried tempeh and fried tofu mm. which are also quite um synonymous with uh indonesian or javanese cooking mm. And also, um, if, you, if you're going uh, strictly with um, vegetarian dishes, uh, another variation of the and, uh, tofu and tempeh would be uh, tofu and tempeh bacem. B-A-C-E-M.
3: Okay. What is that? Uh, that's,
2: it, that's essentially uh, the tempeh and tofu. Okay, you slice it into like the regular size small pieces. Oh, not too small. I mean, like uh, portion size pieces. Then it's poached in a, a liquid with a lot of uh, with a number of herbs and spices. Essentially, uh, mainly uh, the whole Indonesian sort of uh, ingredients. Once again, there's Indonesian bay leaf. There's the gula uh, gula Jawa. Um, what else? garlic shallots it's all like blended then you poach it uh, poach the poach the tempeh and tofu in that liquid Mm. uh, until uh, the tofu and tempeh soaks up all of that flavor
3: Mm.
2: until uh, essentially almost dry almost uh, till the water has evaporated then you uh, take out the tofu and tempeh it'll be very um very soft very uh, fragile then after that, uh, you get another pan. Uh, then just shallow fry to give it to give the outside a bit of color. I mean, uh, but after the poaching, uh, you, you want to eat it straight away. Yeah, there's no problem with that. But we usually uh, give a little bit of a pan fry. Shallow, shallow fry, if you will.
1: That is so fascinating that you would <laughs> handle the liquid evaporates and then you would fry
2: yeah. it. Because uh, tempeh and tofu itself, it's quite uh, blend It's no, not really much flavor. Yeah. So with the addition, with the poaching of that, uh, spices and all that, uh, all the herbs and spices and whatnot, it, uh, the tempeh and tofu actually soak up that flavor. Then it adds on to the whole dish. It really, when I first tasted it, it was like, wow, I didn't knew, I didn't know that tempeh and tofu could be like this, um, re- really this good. Cause I usually have it like either like uh deep fried with like, uh, Coriander, uh, coriander seeds, uh, turmeric, and salt—the basic, like very Malay, simple sort of like deep fry uh, dish. Yeah. Then when I got to know about this bacham thing, it's like wow, this is like it, it, and it goes really well with the urap
1: oh. and steam
2: rice, of course.
1: Oh my god! I'm definitely gonna try this. Thanks so much mm-hmm. for telling me. It's uh, no a
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> And um, you you can't find this dish in Singapore.
2: Uh, the bacham. You mean?
1: Yeah.
2: Um i haven't seen it no i don't think i've seen it being sold outside it's more of like a household sort of thing but over in indonesia it's like uh, everywhere those street street side like um stalls where they serve rice and all the other dishes it's it's quite common over in indonesia but here no not yet not that i know of at least okay Mm.
3: interesting so Okay.
1: So when you have Uraq outside of your home or, you know, you have a different version of urap from the version that you cook at home, what mm-hmm. do you look, what do you look out for? You know, what defines a good urab?
2: mm As I mentioned again, uh, the control has to be there, but then again, uh, you cannot have too much of it because too much of it, there's also, there's going to be this sort of like bitter and like very unpleasant taste. Mm. So just the right amount. Essentially, what you want is a, is a balance of flavors. The, a little bit of sweet, a little bit of salty, um, a little bit of spicy, and that fragrance from the, the contour And I find that uh, outside, at like hawker stalls, they tend the the vegetables in the urap are not usually blanched. They're, I mean, even if they're blanched, it's like for a very short while. But most of the time I've seen it's like quite relatively raw
3: mm.
2: Mm. so it's like that, that's a bit of a difference I, I find and I have noticed but I'm sure there are other places out there like little like uh, hawker centers out of the way from where, where I live there that, that serve uh, uh, proper like really really good but uh, sorry to say I mean in my family mine's still the best I guess <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I guess the vegetables being raw versus being blanched, is it a personal preference or is the steamed one preferred?
2: Um, I think for the ones at the stall, I mean being sold outside, it's probably due to not wanting it to go bad as fast. Because, uh, you know, it, it's quite temperamental, right? Because our, our weather over here, then the bean sprouts, the kangkong, the... Uh, grated coconut, those are quite, they have like a very high uh, spoilage. It, it, it gets uh, spoiled quite quickly. Mm. So, uh, and also they don't want to waste, like if, if, let's say, outside, if they can't sell it, I mean, unfortunately, they have to throw it away. But if uh, at home we can have the luxury of, okay, luxury, I'll call it, um of like uh, storing it in the fridge, then like if you we want it, we just uh, take out a portion, then uh, eat it with rice. Because I I very uh, I remember very well, I used to call urap the dish the the cold vegetable dish. When I first I wanted to know about the name of the dish, I asked my mom like, "Mom, what's this like a uh, dish which we usually like eat cold straight from the refrigerator?" Then my mom was like, "What what what, what are you talking about?" I was like, "Oh, then we got to know it was urap because." We usually, once we, we, we've done it, we've, uh, we've prepared it, then the excess, we just keep it in the fridge. Then as as we want, uh, we want to eat it, we just take out a portion and usually, most of the time, we just eat it straight from coal. Like, you know how people like uh, cold pizza, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> eat it from cold. So, that's how I got to know more about Urap. I, I first, like, one of the first few instances for me uh, getting to know about Urap. Mm.
1: And, um, so, why is it that a lot of people outside of the Malay community uh, don't know about this dish. Why do you think it's so... um, Like, you know, even though we have Nasi Padang and things like that, why is it that Urap is not well-known in Singapore?
3: Uh,
2: I think partially because most of... When we think of Nasi Padang, because Padang in itself... uh, Padang is a region in Sumatra. It's a different island from Java. And Java is... Another island where Urap originated from. So, uh, I think as well because uh, other dishes like rendang uh, are more projected into the limelight. Uh, sambal goreng, then uh, sort of Urap is like, I wouldn't say taking a back seat. I mean, it, it's there. I mean, it's just there. I mean, like just people don't know about it because there's not much um, attention or documentation paid to it in terms of the Singaporean context. I mean. Most Malays would know about it, but uh, like I said, yeah, perhaps the more, more of the spotlight is given to other dishes such as um, rendang and mm. sambal goreng and all the uh, other uh, protein uh, dishes like the chickens and the fish. So mm. it's like, I don't know, vegetables usually tend to take a, 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 what it? a backup like- role. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. So, but the thing is, I find that it's so um, it's so simple to make from what you describe, and it's mm-hmm. something that it's so variable in the sense that you can adapt it to the different vegetables that you have in your region, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, would you consider it as a dish that um, a beginner cook would be able to make?
2: In Singapore, yes, definitely. But uh, the only thing that may be a problem again is the control yeah. Uh, even in Singapore, I mean, if you want to find, you have to go to like certain uh, markets. As I mentioned earlier, Tekka, gelang serai and mm. uh, gombak. But then again, I'm sure if you go around asking the, the aunties or the uncles or the vendors, they'll be like more than happy to like point it, point it out to you. La. I mean, yeah. And for, as for the other ingredients, yeah, it's, it's very, it's uh, easy to get all the, the vegetables, the coconut and the chilies, the, the, the stuff for the rempah.
1: Hmm. and you know given that that i am living abroad do you th- and mm. given that urap you know there is no fixed set of vegetables uh to make it do you think i would potentially get cancelled if i make a, an urap out of say broccolini or something
2: hmm. <laughs> um broccolini um because the thing is broccolini it's it's sort of like Almost Kailan like, right?
3: Hmm.
2: So, uh, probably it's best you not to do that. But I mean, um, for 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 the ease or uh, for for your uh, for it to be easier for you, you can definitely go with like spinach, um, cabbage, carrots, and French beans. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Those uh, can confirm uh, no no problem because in in Indonesia also. Um, different uh, vendors different uh, households different restaurants also they serve with uh, different types of vegetables depending on what's available at that point of time Mm. so but yeah definitely not broccolini
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah because
1: i'm thinking like broccolini i i love eating broccolini it's like the cousin Mm -hmm. of a broccoli because Mm -hmm. um it's it can be eaten like blanch, you know, we normally just blanch it or simply pan fry it and it's very, very easy Mm -hmm. to cook. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so, okay, I'll try it with spinach, cabbage, carrots and French beans. Mm -hmm. And usually how many vegetables in in an
3: Um,
2: It can be from, I think there's no set number but then again, you also don't want to go overboard with it because um, it'll be a bit too much from what I see, I mean like uh, the simplest one uh, I've had at home is just kangkong and bean sprouts and the that, that, the rempah and the coconut, uh, shredded coconut base. That's all. That's like the simplest you can get.
1: Oh my god, I'm so excited. I have some grated coconut in my freezer right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll definitely make this soon But okay Can yes, you yes. just tell me What is your favourite place For Urap in Singapore For people who are lazy To make it at home Where mm-hmm. can they go To get good Urap
2: um, I'm a bit biased As I mentioned just now Because I prefer To have it at home But if you like Really like Die-die have to um, You can have a go at uh, The Hawker Centre At Gailang Serai Because like That's like Malay food, um, HQ. Mm. It's like essentially any like nasi padang or nasi campur stalls. Yeah. They would have a, a decent urap, uh, uh, uh an urap which, and yeah, they would have a, a, a decent urap. So it's like best if you go, uh, to Malay enclaves essentially. Mm. Uh, and a good, a good place to start is uh, Gelang Serai definitely.
0: Awesome. I can't wait yep. to try making this at home. I'll take a <laughs> photo and I'll show you. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. That wraps up another episode of the Singapore Noodles podcast. My guest on the show was Hyrule Sukhaimi. You can find him on Eat Food, Live Food on Instagram. And if you'd like to sign up for the Singapore Noodles weekly newsletter to get updates and more cooking tips, then visit sgpnoodles.substack.com or visit our website sgpnoodles.com for more recipes and stories. Once again, thank you for the support towards Singapore Noodles and I'll catch you all next week.